Good evening, everyone. Welcome back to the Low Def Media Podcast. This is Mike. And today, just uh, some general thoughts, some topics, uh, some things to discuss. Uh, first of all, testing out a new microphone. Uh, it's uh, the F-Deuce SL40. I saw a lot of buzz about this microphone on YouTube and decided to give it a shot. It is a great value. Uh, list for $99, but with the Amazon coupon, get it for $69.99. Uh, so I would be very interested to get your feedback. Let me know down in the comments below what you think of this microphone compared to other microphones I've used on this channel. I've used uh, a few. I've used a Blue Snowball. I've used a Blue Yeti. And uh, I believe I used the Rode VideoGo microphone uh, back in the, the early days. And I've probably thrown in a couple uh, very inexpensive USB mics by Fifine uh, just uh, for sampling purposes. So do me a favor, uh, in the comments or you know, email, let me know what you think of this particular microphone uh, because it sounds really good on YouTube when those content creators are using it. But then in the hands of a novice like myself, wondering if I can get it to perform as well as they do. So let me know. All right, so let's get into today's topics. Um, what do we have on tap for you today? Let me pull up my quick notes. All right, so uh, a couple things um, before we get too far into this. Um, if you are listening on uh, Spotify, you can go out to uh, YouTube, to the Lodef Media uh, page there, and you can watch the video episode of this podcast, if you like, if you prefer to get your content by video instead of uh, just by audio. Uh, or if you're on YouTube and you see this and you just want to, if, if you don't have time to listen to the whole thing, you want to listen to it on the way to work, it's also on Spotify, also on Low Def Media. Uh, so let's get into the topics real quick. Um, I'm, I'm still very much amazed at the amount of people that I'm seeing out and about doing normal everyday things. And, and when I say normal everyday things, I'm, I'm talking about going to a restaurant. Every time I go to a restaurant, uh, and case in point, I, I, I'll give you a reference point. Uh, yesterday, it's, um, this is my birthday weekend. And so I uh, went out to dinner with my wife and my parents. And we went to Ted's Montana Grill. Now, if you've ever been to Ted's, Ted's isn't like going to, I don't know, Moe's or going to Texas Roadhouse. It's probably a little pricier than Texas Roadhouse or uh, going to Applebee's or going to Chili's, something like that. So you've got different tiers. You know, if you look online and you look up a restaurant, they have little dollar bill signs or whatever, um, whatever graphic they use to tell you, you know, what the price point is. And Ted's is, you know, it's a step up from going to like a Texas Roadhouse. It's it's up there, kind of like a Longhorns, I would say. Um, but the difference is Ted Ted's Montana Grill serves bison. All right, so that's their, that's, I guess, their signature dish, right, is bison. They have bison meatloaf, bison, bison um, uh, hamburgers. So very nice restaurant. Um, it's it's, um, it doesn't matter where it's at. It's just a nice restaurant, okay? So uh, it's a little different atmosphere than going to um, some of your more local restaurants, right? There's not that many of them. And so the point I'm trying to make is we get there, it, and I like, to, I like to eat early. I like to beat a crowd. 
So we get to the restaurant. It's five o'clock. We're one of probably two or three tables that are currently being occupied in the restaurant. But I'm telling you, by the time we left at around 6.45, the place is packed. There's not an open seat left and there are people waiting to get in. So that, okay, that if it were a, a $10 restaurant, like going to Chick-fil-A, if it was like McDonald's or Wendy's, okay, I can understand that. You know, you, you hear all this talk about a recession, so I can understand that. It, it, people are going to go where it's less expensive. But when you're talking about a restaurant where the price point's a little bit different and you have waiters and you you have booths and it's a different atmosphere, it just, it when I see that, I'm thinking, okay, they're talking about a recession. They're talking about, and I see what they're talking about. The prices are more expensive. Uh, the thing, the cost of goods and services has gone up. Uh, paychecks have not gone up to compensate for that or to, yeah, compensate. And so I understand what they're saying. All the ingredients are there for a recession. But I just don't see people being affected by it as much as you would think. Another case uh, in point, I, I go to an outlet mall. Okay, go to an outlet mall, do some shopping again, birthday weekend. So that's that's one of the things you do when it's your birthday. You go out and you shop, right? So I'm out there and I'm looking around and the parking lot is packed. And there's just people everywhere. And and so I, I'm, I'm wondering, okay, when is this... And I don't want to sound like I'm like I'm dense or something, but uh, I want to know when when are we going to see the effects of a recession? And I, I don't want I don't want there to be a recession. I don't want people to stop going out and buying things. But I, I do want to understand what it is that uh, we're being fed by the media and. Uh, I, and it's, I don't know, it's it's very confusing because I, one other thing, I, there's a, um, a a combo item that, what, talking about food, the combo used to be $5.99. You go to Domino's Pizza, it was always $5.99. You could get a pizza or you could get one of their dishes or you could get a dessert, $5.99, and you could do two for something and then keep adding to it. And it was $5.99 a piece, right? Well, now that's $7.99. And we've seen gas prices go up. We've seen the cost of uh, groceries go up. But I still see people doing the things that you would normally associate with um, when, when money's tight, you don't do. Like going out to eat or going on vacations. Um, I mean, just things. I mean, airlines, you look at the airline industry, they are busting at the seams. They're having to tell people, tell the airline companies to stop selling tickets because they can't handle the volume of people. So that's my one issue, concern, question. Question's a good, good word to use, question. Um, what does it mean? Explain it to me. And then number two, where are the people working to be able to go out and do this? Because you keep hearing there's a labor crisis you you hear on the news that, you know, traditional, where people were working before, they are not working now, and that there's a huge labor shortage. 
Um, I see it all the time, especially in like fast food restaurants where they say the lobby's not open because we don't have enough people uh, to staff the restaurant so we can only uh, work the drive through. And so you see that and you wonder, okay, so um, where are these people working? Airline industry, another key example. They don't have enough people there, uh, baggage handlers and people working inside the airport. And so they can't support uh, the, pe- uh, the people buying tickets. They can't support all that business. And so they're canceling flights at the last minute because they just can't get that flight up in the air. So I ask you, where are these people working? Where did they go after the pandemic? The pandemic did, you know, it, it shifted a lot of people into different career paths because either restaurants shut down or businesses shut down or industries um, shut down just because they were so dependent on that human interaction. And then when you didn't have people coming in or people, customers coming in, okay, you had to shut it down. So I get that part and it did create an employment shift, but where did it shift them to? They can't all be making money on YouTube. They can't all be delivering food or being Uber drivers. So where do they go? What are they now doing that's created this labor shortage? Okay. Amazon's even feeling the pinch. I mentioned this on an earlier podcast that out West that they said they will have maximized the available um, employment resources in certain areas that there just won't be any more people to hire. Not that they've hired everyone there. They're not all working for Amazon, but the amount of available labor will have been acquired by a certain time frame, and they just won't be able to hire anymore. So you tell me, always willing to learn. Uh, so just you know, email me. Let me know what your thoughts are, because that's that's something that always that I've been uh, working with, dealing with, uh, questioning. You know, what does it all mean? All right, along those same lines. And I've mentioned it again a couple times, and it's just something that it uh, every time I turn around, I'm seeing more and more on it or about it, and it's the housing market. Back in you know 2008, 2009, we had the the housing market bubble, and we had this huge correction, okay, and housing prices had escalated and escalated and escalated and then the bottom fell out and what you thought was worth $300,000 is now only worth $200,000. And so we had this huge market correction. Okay. Um, I'm reminded of a movie, uh, The Warrior uh, with Tom Hardy. Do you ever see that one? Uh, I'm going to give you one of the plot lines. Hold on just a moment. One of the plot lines is Tom Hardy's brother. Uh, He is a teacher and he had his house refinanced because they thought the house was worth, let's say, just for round numbers, $300,000. So he had paid off a certain amount of money. So they refinanced his house at the higher value, $300,000. Then they had the correction. Come to find out the house is only worth $200,000. So now he's got this huge uh, deficit on the house. And now the bank wants that money because they've loaned him money based on a value that the house is no longer worth that much. So he's upside down. So they want their money. And so that's kind of one of the the major plot points of that movie. Okay, so we had the huge correction. Well, now here we are, 2022, housing prices are astronomical. Uh, Where I live, my house is now 
I think, 50,000 or 50% more than when I bought it in just before the pandemic. I moved in in 2020 and then we had the pandemic. All right. So now my house is worth uh, almost $100,000 more than what I paid for it. Okay. On paper. Now, my, th- my logic says that we're going to have another correction, that we can't continue to overvalue um, housing, that at some point it's got to correct itself because, you know, we've got interest rates going up and eventually those need to come back down. So we're going to have a correction. But I'm seeing in, in the media that we won't, that this is where prices are going to be. And they're never going to come back down. They're always going to be this much. And so if you're looking to sell, that you need to do that um, in the next couple of years because the prices just aren't going to go back down. I don't know if that's true, but I'm appealing to you. Uh, there are way more of you out there than there are of me sitting right here. So I'm hoping maybe some of you have insight, maybe some uh, housing market knowledge that you can pass on to the rest of us. Love to bring it up on the podcast and share that with everybody. All right, on to topic number three. Um, Is it just me or are people ruder, more rude now since the pandemic? Uh, I, I would think that a pandemic would, you know, kind of, if nothing else, um, unite people because we all had to deal with the same thing and we were all stuck inside for two years. And so you would think that um, a a pandemic, something like that would galvanize people and and, and we would just be nicer to each other. But I'm finding more and more often, whether I'm on the road driving, whether I go through a drive-thru, drive-thrus, they never, I don't want to say never, uh, very rarely tell you, hey, have a nice day. Thank you for coming. Uh, See you next time. Uh, It's very rare. And I did go to a Dunkin' Donuts today and to their credit, uh, the staff there was phenomenal. I had my dog in the back seat. They saw the dog. They went bananas, uh, went really above and beyond uh, to uh, cater to us. So that was very nice, but that's rare. And I mentioned this on my Instagram, you know, when I hike or run, uh, I like to I like to go out on trails. And if you've ever been on a trail, you know, they're not very wide and you've got people coming back and forth, you know, up the mountain, down the mountain. And so there are points where it's tight and you have to concede. So you either make way for someone else or they pull to the side and make room for you. Now, I, because I'm older, I see people on the trail. The last thing I want to do is be that guy who looks at you and walks by and doesn't say anything. To me, that's just rude. And so if I'm walking on the trail and you look up and we look at each other, I'm going to say, good morning. How are you? Hey, enjoy the trail. Have a great day. If we're walking by and you keep your head down or if you're looking off somewhere else and we don't make eye contact, I'm going to let you go. All right. If we're walking and you're coming towards me, I'm usually more often than not going to move over and let you come by. That's just the way I am. Most of the time when I'm on the trail, I'm trying to run. And so I'll come up behind somebody and I'll say, hey, excuse me, can I come by? And they usually move to the side. Yeah, sure. And I go by. All right. But I will tell you this. 
that if I see people coming, especially if they have kids or a dog, I don't want to run by a dog. So I'll pull over to the side, let them walk by. 80% of the time, they just walk by. I went out this past weekend. I would say easily 80% of the people that walked by didn't say anything, just kept talking, kept their conversation going. I'm standing there on the side and it was like they expected it. It's it's like they were entitled. You hear that term a lot with uh, certain age groups and they that's the impression I got. They felt like it was their right to walk by unencumbered and that it was my obligation to make way for them. I will say this, that the few exceptions to that were people who were my age, probably 45 or older. They were the ones who said, thank you, or hey, have a great day. And it just really bothered me that so many people were that rude. And I see it on the roadways. People are, I mean, they will cut you off in a minute. They don't use blinkers. Uh, they, they are just looking out for themselves all the time. And so it's very frustrating when you're out and about and you have to deal with as many people as you have to deal with. And you're constantly, you know, coming into contact. I'll give you another one. And I know I I cut myself off and, and it's just that my brain works so much faster than my mouth. I'm standing in a store. Remember, I went to the outlet mall. I'm standing in a store. I think it was Adidas. And I saw a young lady probably in her early teens, standing alone, had a pair of, of slides that she was going to buy. And she's, you know, just la 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 looking around. I see a gentleman slide right in front of her and, and didn't say to her, didn't say anything to her, didn't say anything. I just walked right in front of her, stood in line because he could, because he's an adult and she's a child and who's going to stop him? And so I saw that. Then I go to a movie that night. Two guys go out from one theater. Adults go from one theater. They go down the hall, go into the theater I'm in, and go and sit right in front of us. They didn't buy those tickets. And so that's what we're having to deal with, just people who are only looking out for themselves, and they, it's like they flip off everybody else. They don't care. They're like, you are here for me, and I don't have to do anything for you. And it's just very frustrating. And so I, and another thing, I'm driving and uh, on 75 here in Atlanta, 75 is usually crowded all the time. There's a lot of traffic on 75. And I'm coming up to my exit and I'm about a quarter mile away and traffic starts to back up. And so I get in the, the far right lane because I know I'm getting off of the freeway and traffic's backed up. We're inching forward. And in my rearview mirror, I see someone pull out of the lane of traffic and go down the shoulder straight for the off-ramp. I'm like, you see all these other cars. What makes you think you are so important that you don't have to wait like everybody else? And that's that's the thing that bothers me. And let me know if you're seeing some of these same things because it's just, it seems more prevalent now since the pandemic. Uh, maybe people have a different approach to life now. They think, hey, any minute we could have another pandemic. And so um, I, I just want to you know, get what I can while I can. I don't know. So you tell me. All right. Uh, the last topic. I may need my glasses for this one. Hold on just a moment. It'll look like a monocle here for a minute. Okay. Um, yeah, this is another interesting uh, topic. 
another just you know basic observation. Um, I was talking to a friend at work that said um, they went out to California, saw a lot of Trump flags, and they were very uh, surprised by that because uh, they they thought of California as more of a very um, liberal state, and that they wouldn't see as much. Uh, well, as many Trump flags or Trump supporters as they did. And I see, especially because I live in the South, I see a lot of Trump flags also. Trump hats and yard signs, you know. And it got me thinking, chances of, of him actually running right now look pretty slim. I mean, there's always a chance, but I think when you see those flags, it's not about him anymore. It's about a movement, it's bigger than just one person. When you see a Trump flag, it just means that I am conservative and I fall in line with that ideology. All right. Usually uh, someone who believes in uh, gun rights, someone who believes in less government, not more, um, someone who really does enjoy lower gas prices and a strong foreign policy. And so I, I think that's what it means now, it doesn't mean that, hey, we really support Trump personally. Some of them do. Um, but I think for the most part, it's we believe in that ideal, that political, um, uh, I, don't, I don't know the word to use. It's just not coming to me right now. But that, ide- I will say ideology, but uh, that uh, political viewpoint and some of those political... Um, stances, I guess. Um, but you tell me, when you see that, do you think, when you see a Trump flag, do you think that the people flying it actually want Trump the person or do they want Trump the policies? Because I will tell you this, uh, when he was in office, um, there were things that we could count on. A very strong foreign policy, uh, a very strong economic policy, we were not going to get shortchanged by any other uh, countries. Uh, the two things that come to mind um, when he was in office is the Iran uh, nuclear deal. He got us out of that because there was no way they were going to live up to it. And so, why be part of an agreement that the other part isn't the other party isn't going to honor? And then also, there was a climate um, a, a climate pact. Um, an alliance um, in Europe, the Paris something, it wasn't peace accords, but it was something to do with the environment. And he pulled us out of that because we were the ones putting all the money in. And again, it it wasn't something that we were going to get the most value out of. So he said, it doesn't make sense to me, so we're going to pull out. And these are things that uh, the current president are trying to get us back into. I, I don't believe that's the right decision. Um, if you look back, since um, we left those, um, what do you call them, PACs, agreements, um, once we, deals, yeah, that's a good word, deals, once we left those, what happened? What was the fallout? Nothing. I don't, I don't see where it made a, a hill of beans difference. Uh, changed my mind. Uh, let me know. What, what was the fallout? of us leaving those agreements, those deals, packs, whatever you want to call them. Because I don't really think our involvement or non-involvement made all that much difference. But I know 
um, here. Oh, here's one other thing. I didn't even write it down, and it just came to me uh, while I was talking. Have you heard that Starbucks is closing 16 stores? Um, they're, they're citing safety, customer safety and employee safety, 16 stores. And they're in D.C., Portland, L.A., and I think Seattle was the other one. Um, and if you look at those four locations, they all suffered huge protests during BLM. And so if you look at the fallout from that, that that's kind of the, the cause of the, what's causing it to be so unsafe. And so uh, I saw this on Instagram and I want to get your feedback on it because it made, it, it made sense to me and I want to know if, it's, if it makes sense to you and if it's true. But uh, they're saying that in these cities, that's why they're closing these stores because of safety concerns, but they're the same place that had places that had a, a large BLM presence during the protests and that that now has the fallout from that has created these unsafe conditions, a lot of homelessness, a lot of crime, a lot of drugs. And so you tell me, um, is it coincidence? Is there a connection? What can we, what can we derive from that? Um, because it, you very rarely see successful businesses close like that. Um, I, I will say I've seen businesses close in California because of all the looting, not, not looting. Uh, what was it? It's like a, a flash mob robbery <laughs> where uh, 30 people just show up and they just take what they want and leave. And so, yeah, I, if that's happening in the town, I have a business, <laughs> I'm going to close that business because that just doesn't make sense to try and keep a business open with that going on. So, you tell me, is this just uh, the media hyping up something that doesn't exist or does this make sense? Have you seen the same thing? Let me know in the comments. Uh, email me. Love to bring it up, do a follow-up episode and talk about those topics. Uh, but hey, that, that, that's what I got for you today. Those are the topics. And um, real quick, F-Deuce, dynamic microphone, the SL40. Let me know your thoughts. It's supposed to um, be a poor man's version of the the sure dynamic microphone uh, that a lot of podcasters and professional content creators use. And I'm telling you, I'm really digging the quality right now. Um, again, it's just running through my headphones. And so I, I like it. But you tell me, um, what does it sound like? Is it, um, is it better than the microphones I've used in the past? Is it equal to the the quality you hear on other podcasts because most of the podcasts and, and the two that come to mind right now, I listen to Smartless with uh, Justin Bateman, um, Will Arnett, and there's another guy that I will not remember his name while I'm sitting here, Sean, Sean something. Um, I know they all use the Shure microphones. Um, and then I also listen to um, Dak Shepard, uh, armchair expert, and he uses a Shure microphone, and so they're very, very popular. This is supposed to be so, uh, in the same quality, you know, have similar quality to that one, and it's it's a USB microphone or XLR, if you know anything about that, different ways of connecting it to your computer. You can see that right here. And so very simple plug and play. So you tell me, is the quality there? Is it not there? I'd love to know your opinions. Hey, but for now, this is Mike. This has been uh, the Low Def Media Podcast. Appreciate you taking the time. And if you like this kind of content, uh, we just ask, become a subscriber. Really helps out the channel. And uh, with that, we look forward to seeing you 
in the next one.